0: Perimeter Church Podcast. We are celebrating our 40th anniversary. We invite you to rejoice, pray, and worship with us as we begin our next 40. Founder of Key Life Network and former teaching team member Steve Brown returns with this message entitled Paying Debts, which covers Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. For more information and to watch or hear other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Steve Brown. Steve is a is a, a name everybody in this church,
0: uh, who's been here for many years, knows. Uh, he has uh, been a part of our teaching team, but remote. He's come from Florida. He's in Orlando. He has a, a teaching ministry on
1: radio. And oh goodness knows the books he's written. Um, a professor of, of preaching at uh, Reformed Theological Seminary for many years, and the list just goes on and on. But most importantly. He is a friend to Perimeter. Come on up. He is a friend to Perimeter. And we are are so glad to have you, Steve. It is a thrill. It was only appropriate when we started thinking a few years ago about this time. We said, Steve Brown. And so all I can say is hang on to your seats and take it away, Steve. All right? Uh, If you haven't noticed, I'm old. And if you're as old as I am, you're already irritated about that. And then I went shooting with my pastor, and somebody had given him an M1 from World War II. That's a big mother. He said, you want to shoot it? And I said, sure. I did. when I took the muffs off my ears, I was cold stone deaf. That's been a year and a half, two years ago, and subsequent to that, I've had multiple shots in my eardrum. I've taken enough steroids to grow breasts. (laughs) I've seen three different doctors, all of which are great, and multiple audiologists, and I still can't hear. It's irritating. And so I didn't hear much of what was going on this morning in the service. (laughs) But Perimeter's the one church where it doesn't matter because I can still smell, and you smell like Jesus. I can still feel, and I can sense the love in this place. I can still rejoice. And thank you so much for inviting me to be here to share this anniversary with you. He was a seminary professor. He led a number of people to Christ. He's my friend, and I love him. I was teaching a Bible study in Miami for leaders and during the Bible study, a judge who was a part of that Bible study leaned over and said, have you heard? And I said, heard what? He said, Jack's become an atheist. I said, no, he hasn't. That's not true. You shouldn't say things like that about a brother. And I ended the Bible study early, went back to my office and called Jack and said, Jack, this morning a man said you had become an atheist, and I told him he was a liar. I was right, wasn't I? Dead silence on the other end of the line. I don't want to talk about it anymore because when I do, I get so sad. Jay Kalina was his name. I remember the first time I shared my face, scared the spit out of me. I was in the back seat of a car and couldn't get out. Jay was in the front seat and the man behind the wheel was contemplating suicide as he looked out on the beach. And in the middle of a presentation of the gospel, Jay turned to me and said, Steve, you tell him. And hesitantly I did, and I was surprised that he ran to Jesus. And so Jay has meant a lot to me. That was in Boston. I moved to Florida. He moved to California. And we lost track of each other for 20 or 25 years. I was in California speaking for a conference, and a uh, guy came up to me and said, I bring greetings from a friend of yours. And I said, oh yeah, who's that? He said, Jay Kalina. I said, you're kidding. He said, no. And I said, how's he doing? And he said, oh, he's fine. I said, I don't mean that. Is, is he still walking with Jesus? is is he still faithful? And the man said, he's so faithful he makes me sick. <laughs> and I started laughing. I was close to dancing and speaking in tongues, but I'm a Presbyterian. <laughs> and we don't do either one very well. <laughs> they asked me to come and share with you in the 40th anniversary there were a lot of reasons I said yes but one of the main reasons was simply to say thank you we're connected with each other if I don't walk it anymore I'm going to ruin your day and if you don't walk it anymore you're going to ruin my day and if you're faithful I'm going to rise up and call you blessed. I was at a concert, Noel Paul Stuckey, Peter, Paul, and Mary fame, and he sang a song I've never forgotten. It's called, How Can I Keep From Singing? And among other lyrics, there is this in that song, when friends by shame are undefiled, how can I keep from singing? So I'm old. I cuss and spit a lot. I thought I thought I'd be a lot better than I am by now, but I'm not. But I came. Because I'm a cynical old preacher. And I have to see the real thing on occasion to keep doing this. And you're the real deal. And so I'm here to say thank you. Do you you hear about the police chief in a small town that grew weary of the drunks that came from the local bar and he decided to do something about it. So he took his patrol car parked off to the side and watched as people came out of that bar. They were endangering the children in his town, and he was tired of it. And so he watched, and a man came out the front of the bar and was staggering, obviously drunk, couldn't find his car. When he finally did find his car, it took him forever to get the key in so he could open it. And when he opened the door, he fell in, And he turned the lights on and off and on and off. Then he started the car and very, very slowly drove out of the parking lot. Police chief said, I got that sucker. And he followed him down the road, pulled him over, got him out, and gave him a breathalyzer test. And to his shock, the man was sober. No indication of any alcoholic beverages whatsoever. And he said, I don't get it. You were obviously drunk. No, I wasn't, he said. It's simple. I'm the designated decoy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm an outsider. I'd join this church if I live closer and Randy would be my pastor because I love Perimeter, but I am an outsider. But I'm a designated, well, kind of a designated celebrant. So let me read a text to you because I share the sentiments of Paul as he wrote to the church at Philippi. Paul was kind of like that, too. He was an outsider. But if he had a church that he identified with the most, it would be the church at Philippi. Every time he thought about him, he was glad. He rejoiced. In fact, in this little letter in the New Testament, some 17 times, Paul uses the word joy or rejoice. Now, let me start at the third verse. Verse of the first chapter of Philippians, this is what Paul writes, I I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership and the gospel from the very first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Ditto. I identify with that. I'm here to celebrate. You know what I'm going to celebrate? Well, obviously, I'm reformed. I'm a five-point Calvinist. And we understand the sovereignty of God. And so I'm going to celebrate God and what he has done in this place. You didn't dream this up. You didn't make it happen. He did. He does as he pleases. And he does it right well. And he's done some right well stuff at Perimeter Church. And I want to worship him. I want to praise him. And it wasn't you. (laughs) Listen, you don't fool me. I've been here enough to know how screwed up you are. I know the secrets you can't share and the sins that nobody else knows about except God. I know you're not altogether that smart. And so, as Paul said in another place when he wrote to the church at Corinth, you're a crack pot (laughs) holding some kind of wonderful water and everybody knows it's not the pot I'm gonna give you a quote and you're gonna think about it the rest of your life it's new to me Martin Luther's my hero I keep the complete works of Martin Luther not because he's good good heavens you talk about one messed up sinner Toward the end of his life, he wrote some anti-Semitic stuff that was so bad, it curled my hair when I first read it, because in those days, I had hair. He was not a good person. But the great thing about Martin Luther is that he knew it. And he knew that it had nothing to do with him. He was justified. He was sanctified by faith in Christ. I've quoted Luther all of my ministry, Calvin even on on occasion, but Luther mostly. But this was a brand new quote to me, and I've been thinking about it ever since I heard it. Listen to this. God does not look for what he loves. He creates it. Is that cool or what? Takes the weight off your shoulders, doesn't it? God doesn't look for what he loves. He creates it, and that's what he's been doing at Perimeter Church for 40 years. He's been creating what he loves. He's been taking this church, and step by step through the hard places, the difficult ways, he's been creating something that is so amazing. That has personal implications too. So as an aside, if you're going through a tough time, I know. If it's really hard, I know. If you've lost your husband and there's nobody to wind the clocks anymore. If you've listened for the footfalls of your wife and you can't hear them because she's gone and she walks in a different place if your kid is on drugs. If everything's falling apart, it's him. He's creating what he loves. (laughs) So I'm gonna celebrate God, of course, but I'm also gonna celebrate you. That's what Paul did. He said, I thank my God, and then he said, for you. We have a tendency in reform circles to make God one thing that he's not. And that's somebody who doesn't care about a piece of dirt like us, poor sinners that we are. That's not true. He thinks we're wonderful. He can't have a party without us. As I was listening to the music this morning, I close my eyes and I sometimes picture God on the throne. And when I closed my eyes and I saw him on the throne as we worshiped with music, that's not my kind of music. I saw so him smiling and he was clapping his hands. <laughs> that's God. That's the real God over you. His love is incredible and that makes us something else. But it's not because we're so smart or so together or so faithful or so obedient. Sometimes we are, and sometimes we're not. It's because we ran to him and let him love us, and it changed everything, and we still don't understand it. Bill and Gloria Gaither are friends of mine, and he tells a wonderful story, and I've told him that I tell it better than he does, (laughs) but this is true, they were in a concert in Utah someplace, and uh, the auditorium was packed, and a group of people on the front row, probably farmers, came in, and one guy in that group looked like, I would rather be in hell than be here, had his arms crossed. You knew there were skid marks from where he was to that auditorium, and he didn't like it one bit. If you're at all familiar with the Gathers, uh they have a song called, I am loved, I am loved, I can risk loving you. The one who knows me best loves me most. You are loved, you are loved, won't you give me your hand? It's a good song and it expresses the profound reality of Scripture. So before they sang it in the first part of the concert, Bill said, as we sing this, turn to the person next to you and take their hand. And they began to sing and the farmer had his arms crossed like it's gonna be cold in a hot plate. He wouldn't even take his wife's hand. He just sat there and looked angry. During the intermission in the green room, the Gaither troop were talking about that guy on the front row who was so angry And Bill said, I'm gonna sing that song again. See what we can do about that. So (laughs) at the end of the concert, Bill said, we're gonna sing I Am Loved one more time. And he said, instead of just taking the hand of your neighbor, hug your neighbor. (laughs) And uh, so they started singing and Bill said to his shock, Gloria came off the stage, went down in front of that angry farmer, reached up and hugged him and held him to herself. And Bill thinking he's going to kill her. (laughs) And you know what he did? He began to weep. The worship team sang before the service started that they were celebrating love. That's what we do. You're not so great, but he is. And he thinks you're wonderful. And you ran to him not understanding. I mean, they told you if you'd be good, he'd like you. Told you if you read the scripture and you could repeat the Westminster Confession of Faith and the catechisms. They told you if you prayed a lot and if you smiled a lot and you were nice, then he would like you. And you tried. I tried too. And I couldn't do it. And I was getting ready to leave when I heard his voice, welcome child, welcome. And I came running and I've never left and you haven't either. And so I'm celebrating that fact. I'm not just celebrating God, I'm celebrating you. Stand before God and God says, I am. And we say, yeah, but I am too. (laughs) And God went through a lot of trouble because He thinks you're something else. And I do too. But as your designated celebrant, I'm also going to celebrate all y'all. In this text, uh, every time Paul uses the word you, it's plural. And then the ESV that I'm using, they say, all you. That's because they don't understand. It's all y'all. I've been through uh, Hurricane Irma. I know you got some of it, but you didn't get nothing. I don't feel sorry for you at all. And actually, I don't feel sorry for myself. During Andrew, we lost our house, and I... I look at the people in the Keys and in Naples and I know I've been there and I've done that. Their life will never be the same. And in the last hurricane in Orlando, I lost a gigantic tree and we lost the screen patio, but this time, nothing. We lost power for two days and I didn't have any coffee, That's awful. In fact, I was so angry, I said to Anna, I'm going out and find a Duke power truck and I'm gonna gonna yell at him. And she said, honey, he doesn't run the company. I said, I know, but I'll feel better if I can find one. And so I got in the car, I did it twice and drove all over our town looking for a Duke power truck and I couldn't find a single one. And my wife said, that's because Jesus answered my prayer that you not make a fool of yourself. And I learned a couple of things in this hurricane though. I learned how incredibly self-centered I am. I'm upset because I don't have coffee and there are people who lost everything. What is, what's with that? I repented and I said, Jesus, you still love me? He said, Yeah, you didn't surprise me. (laughs) Then I learned something else. I learned how connected I am with others. For days, I've received phone calls and emails from people saying, you all right? During the hurricane, we were on our knees and we were praying for you. And even as I tell you that, This old cynical preacher gets warm and fuzzy inside and I realize that when you cry, I taste salt. And when you dance, I dance with you. And when you rejoice, I rejoice, cause we are connected. I celebrate that. I love coming here. You guys pat me on the back and say, we're so glad you're back. And I just want to rejoice over that. So, I celebrate all y'all. But there's something else I celebrate, and then we're finished. As you're designated, celebrate. I celebrate the future and the hope. Paul says it this way that I'm convinced that he who began a good work in you, all y'all, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Do you know what we do at Key Life? That's the ministry with which I'm associated. Um, The entire staff celebrate or remember DD day. You know what that is? That's the day Steve drools or dies. (laughs) And you guys know that too. Every time, and I don't wanna complain, Randy, but every time I come here, you change everything. I mean, I got up to preach this morning. There used to be stairs here and almost killed myself (laughs) when I hit this thing here. And that thing out there, I couldn't find the door to get in this stupid church and that's a symbol because your leadership and your pastor don't ever want Perimeter to be a museum and it's not going to that's why we're talking about the past uh, today and next Sunday the future I may have told you, but I have a friend, Ken Smith, who's a Southern Baptist preacher. He's my age, and I love him a lot. About every Christmas, we check on each other to make sure that one or the other hasn't died yet. (laughs) And he has an African-American brother, that's one of his best friends. And he's a famous preacher, and I wish I could remember his name, but I can't. But he was having breakfast with him, and he said to his friend, he said, what do you we're getting we're cramming for finals. What are you looking forward to in heaven? And he's he looking forward to the glory and the worship? He said, No. Nah, that's gonna be good, but that's not what I'm looking forward to. I can hardly wait to get there. And look at Jesus when he picks up the church and shakes her in front of Satan. And then he'll say, that's all I had. That's all I had. And I still kicked your butt. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm here for a lot of reasons. One of them is that Jesus told me to tell you you haven't seen anything yet. You think about that. Amen. Randy said, Don't leave the platform till you pray, so let's pray. <laughs> Father, I thank you for the laughter I hear in this place, the sign. Of your presence i thank you for your faithfulness for these guys for those who have been loved and can now love other people and i thank you for what you're gonna do you are an awesome god and we pray in jesus name amen
0: you've been listening to the perimeter church podcast